Hey there. Coming up next on the Jeff MacArthur podcast for Monday, October 26, we'll talk about a Tory motion for a pandemic probe on spending pandemic spending by the federal government. Also, four mayors in Halton write a letter telling Doug Ford they don't want new restrictions in their region. And a survey says that half of Canadian workers have considered leaving their job because of the pandemic. All of that coming up right now on the Jeff MacArthur podcast. Yes, we're back in a Monday afternoon and back at it in Ottawa with another big vote in the nation's capital today. Now, this one is not a confidence vote like last week, but it's still a noteworthy vote. This time, the Tories, instead of asking for an ethics committee to continue probing the We Charity scandal and uh, the dealings of the Trudeau government, this time around, the Tories want to see a coronavirus pandemic response committee basically a group to check on the enormous amount of COVID response spending that has gone on so far and will go on into the future. However, critics are saying that this could actually, if this uh, committee does get approval and forms, could actually hurt further response to the coronavirus. Let's welcome in Don Davies. He's the NDP health critic. And Don joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mr. Davies, good afternoon and thanks for your time. My pleasure, Jeff. Uh, first off, could you just kind of run down for us exactly what is being proposed here? Yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion about it, so I appreciate the question. So the the motion that went to the House is basically to have the Health Committee uh, study, continue our study on COVID-19. And to be honest, there's uh, absolutely nothing different about that motion than the one that we passed in March. It's a continuation of the work that we've been doing, and it allows the committee to investigate any issue related to COVID, just like the motion that that we passed in March. So there's nothing exceptional about about the motion in terms of what we're studying. The second part of it uh, has to do with production of documents. And what it does is it uh, orders the government to provide targeted, restricted uh, information on specific issues, uh, that come, I believe, with appropriate protections for sensitive information to the committee. So uh, we have no real legitimate concerns in that regard. So bottom line is the health committee does important work. We hold the government to account on health policy, and we make positive, constructive recommendations to the government to improve health delivery for Canada and Canadians. And I think this motion will help us carry out that important role. Okay, let me ask you about the second part there, because there has been concerns, red flags raised by business, those that are doing business with the government regarding COVID-19, that uh, they would somehow be compromised, I guess, their businesses or business strategies. But you feel as if uh, any documents that are requested would be redacted to a uh, sufficient uh, level that these businesses, that their fears uh, should be relieved? Well, I don't think that. I know that. And uh, I think part of the confusion is is that the Liberals are spreading, you know, hysterical fears uh, and misleading Canadians about what the motion actually says. So the motion uh, talks about production uh, in four specific areas only, in figuring out how much personal protective equipment do we have, where are we at right now, where are we at in testing, where are we at with vaccine development, and where are we at with uh, Canada's early pandemic warning system so that's the system the Liberals dismantled uh, last year. And, of course, um, you know, uh, we, we want to know where is it right now. And the other part of it, uh, Jeff, is that there's protections. It allows uh, the law clerk of the parliament to redact information or hold back information based on four grounds. National security, which is very broad, personal privacy, uh, cabinet confidences, and importantly, uh, 
anything that might interfere with contractual or other negotiations. So any kind of sensitive commercial information about pricing or that you know companies would like to, to keep uh, private, if that interferes legitimately with contract negotiations, that information can be withheld. So I'm I'm very confident that uh, the government can can fully protect this information. They just don't want to disclose information, in my view, because they've done a pretty poor job in a number of areas up to now, and I think that this may expose even more of that. Well, that was my next question for you, Mr. Davies, is why is it the Liberals don't want to be forthcoming or transparent? We know famously that has been a talking point of the Prime Minister for years now, that uh, he will lead the most transparent uh, government. Why is it they wouldn't want to release things such as the amount of PPE? Isn't that something that, uh, you know, Canadians would want to know and would be heartened to know that we've got enough and that, uh, you know, we're protected when it comes to uh, the second wave and that our health care heroes, our frontline workers are protected? Well, for sure. I remember when Prime Minister Trudeau promised in 2015 that his government would be open by default, is what he said. He wanted to unmuzzle scientists. I mean, he he promised Canadians that, that we'd be transparent. And, uh, you know, government doesn't get to choose when they're accountable or not. That's Parliament's constant duty. So why would they be worried? Well, look, let's just do a quick review. Um, You know, under this government, uh, we saw our frontline health providers get caught without having sufficient personal protective equipment. In fact, we had to throw out millions of pieces um, because uh, the government let them expire. Uh, We saw the government cancel the Global Public Health Intelligence Network, which is Canada's only early warning system for pandemics. They did that just months before this hit. They created a vaccine task force that I bet your listeners have never never even heard of, never mind hear any details, where they're operating in total secrecy. And there's conflict of interest worries about that. Uh, we had a resignation from the task force over someone who was uncomfortable with the conflicts of interest. And I just heard that Canada is getting vaccines three months after the U.S. and U.K., well, we want to delve into these things, and not just because I want to lay blame or, or uh, look in the past, but so that we know where we're at today so we can plan for the future. That's the important thing here is, you know, do we have a, a, an early warning system set up for the next wave or perhaps another pandemic? You know, do we have sufficient PPE capacity in Canada now moving forward? These are the kind of things I think we need to work on constructively, and we need the documents to help us. Joined by Don Davies, NDP health critic. We're talking about this uh, motion that's been moved forward to get a coronavirus pandemic uh, response committee to uh, check on the amount of spending and uh, other things going on regarding COVID-19 now and into the future. Uh, The co-chair, Mr. Davies, of the uh, government's immunity task force has spoken out against this probe, saying that it will do more harm than good. Others say that they're worried that a wide-ranging review will create a lot of additional work and distraction for the public service at a time when they've got a huge job ahead of them. What's your response to that? Well, again, this is not a a far-ranging review. Look, eventually when the dust settles, when we've got this pandemic under control, Jeff, we're going to have to do like a full inventory and look at everything. That's not what this is about. This is about a targeted motion that allows the health committee to get information on four current issues that, that we want to see documents. And by the way, a lot of them are just since March. You know, it's not going back forever. Some of the information goes back a bit further. Some is quite current. Um, and But th- this is what Parliament does, Jeff. I mean, you know, Parliament exists to be a check and balance on the executive. Of course, Prime Minister Trudeau, they, they would like to keep all information secret and just tell Canadians information that helps them. 
But it's our job to double-check that. It's our job to review how the government's doing. And and really, again, for the purpose of coming up with some positive recommendations. You know, this was Jack Layton's famous phrase that we're not just there to oppose, we're there to propose. And I take that very seriously. So this is about nothing more than holding the government to account and also being a check and balance as the health committee, the standing committee on health, to sort of keep a watchful eye on what's going on in the health department. Otherwise, you know, you just got, you know, you just got the government telling Canadians whatever they they think Canadians uh, uh, need to hear and nothing else. And I don't think that's that's helpful in a democratic society. Well, without a doubt, and, and clearly a government shouldn't go unchecked. But let me ask you, isn't that what the House of Commons and question period is for and all about where the opposition gets a chance to uh, stand up and question the government of the day? Why is there a need in this case for this uh, probe, uh, the special committee? Well, but that's that's what the committees exist for. I mean, the committees exist uh, in a to, to take a a, uh, a more in-depth look at these things. You know, question period is 35 seconds, Jeff. You know, you, you can't get a lot of substance out in that time. Committee meetings are two hours long. We can call witnesses to the to the meetings. We we take turns questioning them. Um, we can delve into issues. This is where you really get into the meat of things. And the committees play a very important role in Parliament, and that's why this motion is to provide these documents, not not to Parliament as a whole, but to the Health Committee. And that's the only body that exists in our country that can serve as a bit of a supervisory set of eyes over what the government's doing. And so I think it's a very important check and balance. And no government that has, has nothing to hide should be worried about that. All right. Just finally, Mr. Davies, where does this stand as of us speaking uh, right now? And where do you expect it to go? Well, we're voting on this motion tonight, Jeff. And uh, so far, the uh, all of the opposition, the Bloc, Quebecois, Conservatives and New Democrats and Greens and Independents support it. So I expect the motion will pass. And uh, then we expect the government to uh, respect the will of Parliament and comply with it. Do you believe that they will, or do you think that there's going to be further roadblocks if indeed this uh, committee is given a green light? Well, I think they should make an honest effort at it, Jeff. And, and you know, it, you know, I... I if, if they got to come back 15 days from now and say, look, they need more time or there is a great volume, I'd be prepared to look at extending that. Uh, I think we all have to be reasonable in the circumstances, but at the very least, I'd expect uh, the executive branch of our government to respect Parliament and, and do their very best to comply with it and, you know, we can work together. That's what I think Canadians want, Jeff. They want parliamentarians to be working together across party lines to get the best health care and response that they can get during this pandemic. And that's what the New Democrats are prepared to do, and we'll continue doing that. All right. Don Davies, NDP health critic. Mr. Davies, appreciate the time with us this afternoon. We will watch this with interest as it moves forward. Thanks for your time, Jeff. Well, the four mayors of Halton Region making headlines over the weekend with a letter to both the Premier and the province's Chief Medical Officer of Health asking, please do not send us back to modified Stage 2. Do not reintroduce uh, restrictions. Halton Region arguing that they're different from us here in Toronto, Peel, and elsewhere, and that the caseload just did not warrant a return to restrictions. As we heard in that press conference last hour right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, many were expecting it, but it did not happen. The Premier did not make that announcement. He was questioned a lot about it and also questioned about that uh, letter. One of the names on that letter was Rick Bennett. He's the mayor of Halton Hills, and the mayor joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mayor, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. 
Oh, thank you very much for having me, Jeff. Okay, after Friday's press conference, uh, were you expecting to be rolled back to modified stage two? Is that what prompted this uh, letter from you and the others? Yeah, yes, it was. And uh, the premier basically put us on notice. And so far, when he's put hot spots or regions on notice, it comes to fruition within about a day or two. So on Friday, uh, that was definitely the sound bells went off that he was going to more than likely put us to stage two, uh, roll back to stage two on Monday. All right, so how did the process start uh, amongst all of you to, to get this letter, to, to put it together? Well, I will say uh, Mayor Burton and uh, Mayor Mead Ward from Burlington, Oakville, uh, Gord Krantz from Milton, and Regional Chair Carr, was sort of like the catalyst. We emailed each other Friday night and Saturday morning having calls to say, you know, we got to put a letter together. We have to send it to um, to the premier. Otherwise, it's going to happen. And our numbers are very low compared to a lot of the hot spots around us. Yeah, for those that haven't read or seen this uh, letter, can you kind of take us into it a little bit? What exactly was uh, your argument against uh, a return to restrictions? Yeah, yeah, I'd be very pleased to, Jeff. Uh, basically, what we're saying is a blanket approach. Um, it really unfairly punishes small businesses with no explanation uh, for local economy. Uh, that we've asked for a more measured approach would be for the province to provide guidance and specifically target the sources of community spread. You know, it's the same rationale that has been applied to keeping schools open and only closing individual schools for multiple infections, you know, instead of uh, closing down an entire school district. So that's basically, in a nutshell, uh, we have a lot of businesses throughout Halton. They put plexiglass up, paying extra sanitizer, you know, on your tables, and then when you leave, it's cleaned up again. And they're the people that would have been really hurt um, on this. So I think... You know, the majority of businesses in Halton, they really have been following the public health guidelines uh, throughout the whole pandemic, and they've been really good. And our numbers have shown that they've been good. When you look at um, the numbers came out today was just 18 new cases for all of Halton region, which is around 550,000 people. Now, let me get your take, uh, Mayor. Uh, the Premier was asked uh, last hour during his press conference about your uh, letter, and he said essentially that it's okay to have differing opinions, that that's healthy and that's good, and he was glad that basically there was a collaboration and there was dialogue back and forth. Having said that, the Premier has always defaulted to what he calls his health table and health officials here. Um what was the response from the Premier to the letter? Do you feel as if this letter really had an impact and changed the direction of public uh, policy? Is there any doubt in your mind, if you and the other mayors had not written this letter on the weekend, that it would be a much different headline today that uh, Halton Region would have restrictions? Yeah, I think if we had to put the letter out and the uh, media that went on, uh, my uh, colleagues, uh, Mayor Burton and Marianne Ward has been on a lot of news stations all weekend long. And then, of course, Durham, they came out with their own letters uh, and their own comments on uh, on uh, 
Sunday, if you will, and I think that really kind of got to the premier to pivot. And uh, as I said, overall, our numbers are um, quite low compared to next door to Peel and Toronto. And mind you, Toronto is what's the population? Two million, two and a half million people. But our numbers are low, so you can't. We're saying don't lump Halton region in with everybody else. And I, I firmly believe that if we hadn't sent the letters and, you know, went out, you know, through the media on, and let alone social media, I think the Premier uh, listened to us and that we're grateful for. But you believe if that had not happened, restrictions would be in place? I believe so. Let me ask you as well, you mentioned the numbers are low there in the Halden region and hopefully they stay so, but have you been given any indication from the province at all, from the uh, top doc, as to what the threshold is, what the numbers need to get to uh, for modified stage two to come to Halton region, or is that still an unknown as far as you're concerned? Well, well the number that seems to be bandied about is 30 per 100,000. So we did have 31 on Saturday, I believe it was, but as I said, today's number 18. And I, I'm hoping that that little peak, like we've never gone higher than, than 30, 31, 32, like we've never had 60 cases in a day, uh, maybe earlier over the pandemic, back in uh, March and April, uh, we did have some high days. And that was really, like in my own community, uh, uh, we had a long-term care resident that had something like 83 cases that just spiked over one week. and uh, But we haven't had anything even close to that since. So is that why you're calling for, rather than a blanket approach, more of a targeted approach, and let's uh, look at each re- region on a case-by-case basis and you know, a place like Halton Hills does not have the population of uh, Toronto, so let's uh, keep our numbers, uh, Halton Hills numbers, uh, in perspective, and let's also factor in small business and the effect that, you know, enhanced restrictions would have on them. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I think uh, our business has been very good, and we, you know, I just cannot imagine the stress of uh, small business owners, you know, going day by day. Are we going to be shut down? Are we going to be rolled back? I mean, let's face it, they haven't even had the uh, the businesses open. They lost about three months' worth of business back in March, April, May, and June when we were stage one. So, I, you know, one thing we don't want to do, I think our businesses, our community has been very good. We don't want to go to the penalty box just for being near a scrum. You know, I think we've been very good, and uh, we just don't want to go back to stage two unless the numbers change, of course. But I think we have to target where the sources are are from and just not do a blanket approach. All right, Mayor, I'll leave it there for now. Really appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Enjoy your day. You as well, and stay healthy. There's Rick Bennett, Mayor of Halton Hills. Okay, interesting new survey out from Hayes Canada, their Toronto-based recruitment agency, and they have found, how about this, that nearly half of us, 49% of Canadians, have considered leaving their job because of the pandemic. Travis O'Rourke is the president of Hayes Canada and joins us now for more here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Travis, good afternoon. 
Good afternoon to you, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Appreciate your time. A pretty shocking number, right? 49%. Half of us have thought at one time or another during the pandemic of leaving our job. Why are half of Canadian workers thinking about hanging it up? I think the, you know, what happened at the start of the pandemic, Jeff, was layoffs were happening everywhere across the country. Three million Canadians, unfortunately, hit by that. And for a short period there, everyone who was able to keep their job was just happy to have a job. Now, as things have elongated, we're now near the nine-month window, people have started to think, wait a second, I'm now doing the job of the last person who left plus my job. I'm not getting any more money for it. What's going on here? Have people also, uh, Travis, become a little more reflective during this time? I think the pandemic has given us all pause, just not in our uh, day-to-day lives, at least in the short term, if not long term. But it's also given us a pause to really kind of sit back and think, what are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with ourselves? That's very well said. What are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with our careers? What's my employer doing for me? I think work-life balance has been something that's been thrown into question in everyone's minds as the kitchen table and the office desk have become blended often into the same place. A lot of people are having trouble making that separation and they feel like they're working all the time and that's not what they want their life to be. Yeah, and I think uh, working at home has almost had the opposite effect early on. I think a lot of people thought they were going to gain some work-life balance because they didn't have a commute, didn't have to go into the office. They were getting some uh, much-valued time and hours back at home. But uh, I think you're right. I mean, when you blend the kitchen table with the boardroom table or the office table, everything's kind of become muddled now for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, you used to have that nice, clean distinction. Well, I get in the car and I do my commute and I listen to 640 and then... When I get to the office, now I'm at work. And now it's like, well, you know, I used to get in the car at 7.30. I might as well answer the email at 7.30. And, well, I'm eating my lunch at my desk, so, heck, I might as well reply now. I'm going to have to reply to it later. So that clear distinction of what's work and what's family is just gone for most people. Yeah, I was talking with a work expert uh, last week, and uh, this point really stayed with me. And you're absolutely right that it used to be, say, in your afternoon commute, you might have, I don't know, 90 minutes, even upwards of uh, two hours in the car, which was kind of some me time, alone time. I mean, nobody likes being stuck in uh, traffic. But that's gone now, and that has not necessarily been uh, replaced by that uh, kind of me time for yourself. Maybe now all of a sudden uh, you're doing things for the kids, things around the house. Uh, the list just keeps growing and growing that you're right. There's not really that uh, delineation or that distinction between work and home life any longer. No. And one of the, one of the challenges that's coming from that is another data point that's highlighted in the survey where employees feel like they're being more productive and they feel like they're being more productive because maybe they're working longer hours. Um, but we're not seeing the same sentiment shared back from employers. And I think one of the, the big um, mismatches here is between what is productivity and what is efficiency. And when you're working at your kitchen table and your kids are saying, hey, can you put this on YouTube? Or, hey, what's the Netflix password? You're working, but you're not able to get things done as quickly as you probably would if you were in the office surrounded by your colleagues. So a lot of the, the challenges that that employees are having right now about their work-life balance, um, employers just don't think it's working the same way. All right. Well, that was going to be my final question. What should employers do with this information, with the survey that says half of Canadian workers have considered leaving their job uh, because of the pandemic and during the uh, pandemic? 
What does this tell employers, do you think, Travis, that employee satisfaction maybe is more important than ever? I would say that employee satisfaction is important, and um, employers self-admitted in our survey, they're not doing much for the mental health or the well-being of their staff during this pandemic. And what I would suggest that you do is start speaking to your people. Pick up the phone, um, pick up Zoom, whatever it is, give them a call and just say, how are you? How are you doing? Um, What can we do to help you? Because you're either going to find out when you're proactive and you ask that question, or you're going to find out through your HR department when uh, your employee shares it through an exit interview as they walk out next door. All right. Travis O'Rourke is the president of Hayes Canada. Their survey suggests that half of Canadian workers have considered leaving their job because of the pandemic. Travis, appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. You as well. Take care. Bye-bye. And just a reminder that you can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 1 till 3 Eastern. Just tune in at 640toronto.com. Also, find us on Spotify. Search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you find your favorite podcasts.